1: Hello and welcome to a post-preseason Purple Podcast again. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad live from somebody's office that we're not supposed to be in at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's a nice
0: office, Collar.
1: Judd, we've got to start out with the magic of the end of this game. It couldn't have been any better. Taylor Heineke, you know, when they make the movie, we're going to go back to this moment of him diving into the end zone to get a two-point conversion to win this game. What was the score? Thirty. Hold something. on, I've got the game book
0: right here. What's Thirty. A, what's Thirty-two.
1: The final score? Thirty-one. Cause Thirty-two. Heineke, Thirty-one. Thank, that's
0: the magical score. Thank God, Zim, because I saw this. <laughs> Zim's mentor, Bill Parcells. In fact, Zim might have been the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys against Brad Childress in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Cowboys come back, down by one, force overtime by kicking the extra point. They play an entire overtime tie score. So thank thank God that Zim did not <laughs> take a best. did not take a page from the Parcells playbook and tie this son of a you know what up so we could have sat here for another oh, overtime period.
1: Disagree. I have so much respect for Bill Parcells oh. for doing that to you. Because you was know awful. you know that was specifically for everyone who wanted to go home. Yes. No, you will not go home. We will play another quarter of preseason and we will get more tape. Of these guys. Well, thank goodness, Judd, that that did not happen tonight. Taylor Heineke had his best preseason game so far, and he runs it in for a touchdown for the Vikings to win it. But uh, the joy uh, of the crowd at the end was not shared by the full crowd that was here for the first quarter to watch the first team offense, who, even though Sam Bradford went 17 for 21, the first team Does this offense, sound familiar? It really By the way, and and it really did Stephon, look like last
0: year. Stephon Diggs drops two passes. Yeah, so really he completed 19.
1: Yeah, of 21.
0: Right. Sound familiar? And they scored 0 points. Yes. So um, three possessions against Buffalo preseason game 1. Didn't cross midfield. No points. First team again, three possessions against at Seattle. Cross midfield every time. Uh, including moving deep into Seahawks territory, moved backwards on penalties. Three possessions, came out with three points. Tonight, entire first half, Sam Bradford led first-team offense, six possessions, crossed midfield once, and that was on the play that uh, ended at the San Francisco six-yard line at the end of the second quarter on a broken play. Besides that, they did not cross midfield. That is Your first-team offense generated three points in 12 possessions, and crossed midfield three times.
1: You can only get me to go this far about come on the direction that you're going. I sense it. Come I know on. where you're going with this. After last
0: year, come you're, on, come to my saying, side on this.
1: Here we go again. This is how it's going to be. Bradford checkdowns. They never score, can't complete drives. But I am going to stop you there, Judd, and I am going to say that this is the preseason, and the preseason is senseless. And Sam Bradford talked after the game. First of all, Rewind, Sam Bradford should not have played, and neither should any of the starters. Well, that's a whole other stuff. They, they yeah. win the game tonight by not having anyone injured. Vikings win, zero injuries. Good for them. No one went off on a cart. Exactly. Riley Reef was like kind of limping a little bit at one point, but he was fine. He came back in. There's your victory, as long as you survive that. Sam Bradford said after the game that... The 49ers were blitzing a little more than they expected. They were running some stuff up front that they didn't think they would right away. Mm -hmm. That's why they got on top of them at first. End of story. I don't think that this is indicative of how the offense is going to look or the offensive line is going to play or Stephon Diggs is not going to drop two passes a game. They're They're going to scheme against other teams. They're going to use more creativity, I believe, this is nothing. This is vanilla offense. This is running the most basic plays just to get a little work in. It's a glorified practice that gets a lot of people to come downtown. And the freakout over this game over this well, game and that, the first offense the freak a is, much. Is, is, I think, absurd and pointless. I mean, if you thought, for one, that the 1994 San Francisco 49ers were walking through the door tonight, well, of course, you're going to be wrong and you're going to say, see, in the preseason, this proves it. This offense was never going to be the best in the NFL. But it's not going to look like that because that's not their offense.
0: I think what we need to do, though, is I think we need to peel this apart a little bit instead of lumping it all together and saying what possibly could concern you. And I will say this. Three Sam Bradford sacks again in the first quarter. The offensive line. See, the issue is if this team was coming off a competent offensive year and the offense struggled in the preseason, I really don't care then. But they're not. And when Sam Bradford gets hit, which he did more than three times in the first half tonight, that starts to worry you because this offensive line is still not set. This offensive line was a massive problem last year. And we keep going back to the fact that Sam Bradford started 15 games last year, which in itself, considering how many times he got hit in 2016, was a miracle. So... What worries me a little bit is, can they keep Sam Bradford upright on a consistent basis? Because I'm convinced that if they can't, we're not talking about sacks being a problem. We're talking about Case Keenum playing in games. That's, yeah. that's what I look at and say, okay, if I'm, if I'm looking for what I consider to be substance from the first team, that to me is a very real possibility, and that scares you.
1: There are a couple of things up front that would concern me. One is, it looks like Nick Easton is going to start at center. I don't yet trust Nick Easton. I think he's probably the more seasoned player, which maybe they're happy with the fact that he's getting the calls out quicker, so forth, knows the offense better, whatever. I don't think he's the better physical player than Pat Elfline, and it concerns me that he, if he's going to play a lot because last year when he played, he was one of the lowest-rated centers in the NFL by Pro Football Focus, and tonight he really had a tough time. And I think that was a lot, probably communication. They've had different guys going in and out. And if this offensive line struggles right off the bat, one thing we might look back at is how long it took to decide who was playing on the offensive line and maybe some of the injuries too. The other thing I would say is Mike Remmers has never been a good NFL player. He has at best been an average right tackle with the specialty of run blocking Uh and what we've seen in this preseason is yeah he can run block but pass blocking is problematic for him and you're not going to take him out and move in rashad hill or something like that because rashad hill is just a filling guy what you're going to have to be prepared for this season is over at right tackle it's not perfect And I'm not so sure that at left tackle it is either. It will be better, but if you came into this thinking that they were going to be way better, then I I think maybe you set the bar too high. And this, I know, now this offensive line performance should not instill confidence in anyone and would make me say and reiterate, Sam Bradford should not have played. I would not play Sam Bradford right, but if in preseason games where he could get hit sure, three times.
0: But but your concern now is you go into the regular season with the same worry. I will say this for the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings spent a lot on uh, on attempting in their mind to upgrade their tackle positions. I'm not sure they spent it on the right people, and that's a concern. And Riley Reef having a bad back and then uh, played in his first preseason uh, preseason season game, excuse me tonight, and uh, was limping as you mentioned before at one point. That's the concern is, can he stay healthy? Does he have a chronic back problem? We have no idea, and the team's not going to share it. And if he continues to struggle with that problem, he'll show up on the injury report with a back, but we won't know the extent of that. That worries you because if Riley Reef goes out and now it's Rashad Hill, Rashad Hill is an improvement on TJ Clemmings, but unfortunately so are you. And so that's saying absolutely nothing. So – my point is, you're right. If you want to, Stefan Diggs dropped two balls tonight. Guess what? He's not going to drop balls during the season, and if he does, it's going to be rare. Uh, there are, Dalvin Cook, I think, brings some intangibles that I really like. There are things I, I like, and when they start to scheme, I think you're going to see improvement. It just goes back to a few things here and there, though, that you saw during the course of the preseason that reminded you of last year, and you, I think, legitimately collar, say to yourself, are those things fixed? And right now, Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Shermer, and the fan base and the media don't know for sure. You just don't know for sure. I
1: I will agree that you don't know for sure, but I think that we need to ignore almost everything from every preseason game ever, which is hard because we do a podcast and because people want to watch the games and take something out of them and have them be worth the time of watching. Yeah, but don't you think
0: this? Don't don't you think in fairness? Because I see what you're saying defensively Harrison Smith didn't have a great game it's a great example it means nothing Xavier Rhodes didn't have a great game it means nothing when Trey Waynes or Alexander struggle in the preseason somewhat I at least say okay that didn't look good that's a concern because they're trying to prove something offensively if Diggs drops a ball again it doesn't mean a damn thing he's proven before that he can catch passes and he's very good so I see what you're saying in certain instances, but there there are certain red flag type of things that I don't think can just be dismissed as this overarching, it all all can be thrown away. I think a lot of it can be, but I also think it's important to keep in mind there are things here and there that definitely signal, okay, at least you got to stop and pay attention to what went wrong here or there.
1: I would look at this as sort of like confirmation bias, like... I already thought that the offensive line was shaky to begin with, that it wasn't entirely fixed and that there is some concerns about the fact that they couldn't get a starting five together in a preseason game until right now. So then when they don't play that well, you say, look, see, it's a it's a major problem. This proves it. But when Xavier Rhodes gets torched because it doesn't mean I'm with you. I, I don't know what happened. And the
0: frustrated playbook. by it, and it doesn't mean a thing. But
1: that, that's the point, is that when the defense gets rocked, and uh-huh. again, they're, play, they're playing a base defense out there. I mean, they're playing yeah, three but, linebackers. They never do that. They do that 30% of the time But in the on the good season. side of
0: things, Joel jo- Johnson, who started training camp uh, buried on the depth tread as a nose tackle, is now a three technique and looks good, and that means something. Well, these are two different
1: games. That we- means something. The game changes Tonight's perfect because they took all the starters out in the first half. It's two different football games. It's the football game that matters nothing at all toward anything, and we can't take any conclusions away from it. Harrison Smith is one of the best players in the NFL over Mm -hmm. the last five years. Mm -hmm. He was terrible tonight, and no one cares because he didn't get hurt, actually. Including him, by the way. You should be thrilled he didn't get hurt. But when the second half starts, all those guys are competing for jobs. So it matters if Jaleel Johnson burns another guy and gets a big hit on the quarterback because both of those players are equally competing. I think what you see with first teams is Xavier Rhodes had a chance to sort of take a shot at somebody going into the end zone. It was just like, no, nah, it's no, nah, I'm not doing that, which is a good move, right? Don't get hurt. That's exactly which it. Is good. So you come away with, okay, so the defense and offense were both bad, but one of those matters and the other doesn't. Yeah. I think it's only because your point, if you were making these same points before they played the game, mm-hmm. then we would have been on the same page with those points, right? It, it doesn't confirm it or deny it. What you saw tonight, what you see tonight, with the first team offense just really doesn't mean anything to where it's going to go in the regular season. So what
0: is your assessment of, uh, of Bradford in three preseason games? Because the one thing that we know, and this is a smart move. The one thing that we know is Thursday, you see nobody. Oh yeah. I mean, they're they're going to play the thing where the league is very smart to me is this, the 90 man roster, which I believe the cut down from 90 to 75 would have come, uh, Saturday or Sunday today. Uh, You now keep the 90-man roster, which is a smart move, through the fourth preseason game, so you can go in and play all your guys on Thursday. But the Vikings can talk now all they want about going back and practicing, and we're going to do this and do that. But the reality is what you saw from the starters is now it uh, through uh, until the opening game, which is two weeks from Monday. So Bradford and company are done, basically. They can practice all they want. And it sounds like in practice things go just fine, which is not a surprise. Mm -hmm. But where do you stand right now with your confidence and or your feeling then about this offense as much as you might put into these games or not going into the opener on Monday night, September 11th against the Saints at U.S. Bank Stadium?
1: Well, first I would say Sam Bradford did a great job of not being hurt. That's the most important thing. Number you're playing one, on the
0: paranoia, and I don't blame you because a, Julian Edelman getting hurt's the stoop. Why he get, Why he's allowed I'm with you.
1: It's baffling. The Patriots played Rob Gronkowski, who's hurt all the time. Why? I, anyway, Sam Bradford. Yeah, that's a whole
0: other subject, but I don't disagree with it.
1: Goal number one yep. was to get through this because if you have to play Case Keenum through 16 games, you will not make the playoffs. Yep. You would have to have oh, no. historically good defense. No, he's to got playoffs.
0: no. You're right. Got to stay healthy.
1: That's the most important thing. Absolutely, and that was accomplished today. I just saw him; he's fine. I, I think they're going to keep him under arm guard for the rest of the time. He did
0: take some hits in this game, but you're I, right. And,
1: and that's the thing: he took too many hits in the preseason. He took a couple in Buffalo and then a couple tonight, and none of that should have happened. I digress to his actual play. I don't believe that any quarterback at this point changes who they are fundamentally. I think Sam Bradford will still have some of the same Sam Bradford issues that he's had. But a couple of things you saw tonight are things that he does well all the time. One of those was when they actually did have him, or he actually did move out of the pocket, which you'd like to see him more move around back there, he made a tremendous throw down the field. Mm -hmm. When he's throwing down the field, he's accurate as anybody in the league. When he's moving the ball down the field. Absolutely, yes. What you saw was... Too many short passes at times. There was probably some pocket presence issues where he could have stepped up maybe and bought himself some time instead of taking a hit, which has happened throughout his career. The thing that's different about this offense from last year Mm -hmm. is Delvin Cook. And Delvin didn't do a whole lot tonight, but I think he's had a tremendous preseason, a tremendous camp. And tonight on a third down play, they had Jarek McKinnon in the game with Delvin Cook at the same time the amount of talent here is just much bigger around him or much better around him. And we even saw Laquan Treadwell make some plays tonight. He
0: made three catches. Three catches? He made three catches. They were, in fact, if you're looking for positives from the first-team offense tonight, there's not a ton. There's not a lot at all, Matthew Collar. To me, Laquan Treadwell, three catches. In fact, um, if I'm not mistaken, on the opening drive for the Vikings – Uh, Delvin Cook caught a pass and lost five yards. Bradford was sacked and I think lost seven. And so on third down, if I'm not mistaken, Treadwell caught a 19-yard pass. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out in the press box, he ran the correct route. He was at the right depth. So, yes, if Laquan Treadwell can actually assert himself, it's not just a big deal for for right now. It's a huge deal because this guy looked for a season like a complete first-round bust. If he can come back and give you uh, production – and be a positive, even if he is a possession guy Mm -hmm. and makes difficult catches. If he can give you that, it's a huge step because we we were talking about him at the end of last year as a potential mammoth bust.
1: And I think when he didn't get right back on the field after he had the hamstring injury, it was very fair to be concerned. Yes. To look at him and say, man, you might lose your job to Jarius right here. Which, by the way, I don't know if Jarius Wright is on this team.
0: I keep telling you, I don't think he is. I don't think these guys, I don't know if it's because he doesn't play special teams enough or at at all. I don't know what it is. This coaching staff does not like him. I think they've made it abundantly clear that they will use him when they absolutely have to. But they either don't think he can do enough as a playmaker. There's something with this coaching staff where the Zimmer coaching staff, for the last two years at least, just doesn't like this guy offensively.
1: I think he's just a very limited player that you can only have him do so many things, and he isn't that effective at those things. Um, You you know, he's kind of got to be a slot guy. He's a little bit quick but not blazing fast. But as you
0: said, he can be productive. I mean, it's not like he's an insult to the game of football. Right, Right,
1: right, right. He just doesn't do anything special. Like, if you look at Rodney Adams and the way they've used him mostly in camp and preseason, they've tried to get him the ball. He scored two touchdowns. On the screen passes. And tonight he dodges a tackler and gets into the end zone. That's the thing he does really well. With yep. the ball in his hands, he's good. And Stacey Coley has a high ceiling. I think you can see that. He turned a guy around again tonight. Made a big catch. He did that in the first game. He's got playmaking ability. He's, and right, I think right at one point they thought
0: he did. But I think this coaching staff has decided he doesn't come close to that.
1: Right. So he, all he is is really just depth. Like right? mm-hmm. if someone goes down... But now, I mean, you might see Coley and Adams ahead of Jarius Wright, and he might be off the team. It's very possible.
0: How about the fact that your guy, Jarek, returned a kickoff for a touchdown tonight, and I know it came in the second half, so you could, you could probably make the point that uh, that San Francisco at that point had depth guys in on special teams. But nonetheless, he, he showed some explosion there, and it would not surprise me if that won him the job because I think the Vikings want someone they feel that they can count on And more importantly, they know that they're not going to replace Cordero, truly, Mm -hmm. because Cordero was a pro Bowl. He was great at that role. Uh, But I think McKinnon's got enough athletic ability and burst that I would not be surprised if he at least gets first chance against the Saints at that job.
1: And it didn't sound like Mike Prefer just wanted to give that to anybody. It, It sounded like even when he was joking about Delvin Cook doing it. It sounded like, I'm joking, only kind of, but I really want someone to be good back there. Oh, I don't think he was joking. Yeah, no, I think
0: he was serious. I think he was serious. He knows that this team in 07 used Peterson on kickoff returns because Peterson split uh, carries as a rookie uh, with Taylor. But I think Prefer was dead serious, and my guess is the coaching staff now said, you're not getting near this kid. He ain't returning kicks.
1: And for as good as Delvin Cook has been, he's going to be the first running back out there starting every week, I think. Sure. Uh, so, no, putting him back there would be ridiculous. But uh, McKinnon going back there I think says that they weren't happy with the other guys and how they fit in pretty quickly. And McKinnon does have that natural skill. And he just won the job tonight. He took every single kickoff. He didn't get them because many went through the back of the end zone, which why? 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 Come on, why? Well, the
0: kickoff's just about dead. But, but don't kick no, yourself. No,
1: tonight, though, why? Why what? Why? If you're Robbie Gold, why don't you just let him return it?
0: Because you want to prove, because you want to show the 40. Because you've been cut by, you were cut by Chicago last year, and people have questioned your leg, and you want to prove to your coaching staff that you can kick the ball through the end zone.
1: But if you already out of the end know zone. that the guy could kick it through the end zone, the coaches should agree with each other in preseason the Question: just let this. the guy have his kickoff.
0: Why, why does the league not eliminate the damn thing? Because it's so clear they want to. They're dying to. Yeah. They want to eliminate it because they feel that they can then go to court and say, we care about concussions so much, we took a play out. Yeah. We took a play out of our game. That's what they want. So if you're dying to eliminate the darn thing and just start the team at the 20 or 25.
1: Can I circle back to Laquan Treadwell? I feel like sure. we got off on Jarius Wright and the other rookies. Sure. And I wanted to finish a point about Treadwell that it would not surprise me if this thing went either way. Like that, I, I am having a really tough time making sense. a prediction about where Laquan Treadwell is going to go because oh. when he starts camp, he looks better. Yep. And he's saying things that kind of stick with me that could be true and could work. Sure. That aren't just your typical, oh, everything's rosy now but actually diagnosing the real problem and saying, okay, I had to work on technique, I had to get the route depths down, and all those things. Like, Uh okay, those are maybe fixable problems. And maybe Pat Shurmur could find a role for him, like he did with Cordero Patterson. And then he gets hurt, so we're down on him. Okay, well, you know, if he's not even in there, that's going to be tough. And Sam Bradford said tonight it meant a lot to him to be able to get back on the field with Laquan because they haven't been able to build that chemistry. Right. I'm like, okay, all right. But he still had one catch last year, so I remain skeptical. But what I saw from him tonight was very good. He did run the right depth. He did bring the ball in. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know which way that's going to go. If he is a weapon to go to, let's just say he's average. We don't need him to be the next Jerry Rice. Let's say he's average. Then you have two very good wide receivers that you have to scheme for a running back who looks like he could be a star, another playmaker in Jarek McKinnon who can fit in, and then Latavius Murray who can slide in when you need him. All of a sudden, it's like if Treadwell is good, this thing looks a lot better than if he doesn't work out and you have to go to Jarius Wright.
0: I think the more intriguing question to me is this, because I think if Treadwell can play his role, you're going to know very, very quickly what that role is Possession guy, not great speed. If he runs the right routes, though, he can catch the ball. I think the real question is game number five Michael Floyd. When Michael Floyd comes back, he's going to give them the sort of weapon that I don't think they currently have on a consistent basis. Diggs can now, they, they tried a deep pass uh, from Bradford for Diggs tonight. It didn't connect. I like the idea. That being said, Diggs, Diggs can play a lot of different roles. Floyd can go, Floyd can run the deep route. So I think the real question in game five is what does Michael Floyd contribute to this team immediately? And Treadwell, through no fault of his own potentially, might actually lose playing time because I don't know that Treadwell is going to have the abilities that Floyd has. The question, I guess, with Floyd is this. Can he keep his nose clean, which is a major issue, and also... When he gets back in there, how quickly can he assert himself? So I really think a lot of how we're going to perceive Treadwell very well might go to what Michael Floyd can give you once he comes back.
1: I think that entirely depends on Treadwell. Floyd was a signing of, like, uh, take a swing. Yeah, Let's take a swing at a guy who is pretty down right now but has some talent. If Laquan Treadwell comes out and does his job over the first four weeks— then that's his position to keep. And what I think is what you could have with Treadwell is if he is your possession guy, then you can use Thielen and Diggs as your deep route guys. And they were both successful, especially Thielen, but they were both successful at balls down the field. They can beat people. Diggs can go up and get it. I mean, his catch against Green Bay last year was unbelievable, a 50-yard bomb down the middle of the field. I mean, he can do that. Those two guys can do that at any point. I mean, they're not pure deep threats. But I think they can both get open and they can bring it in when you're throwing deep to them. So I don't think you necessarily are sitting here relying on Michael Floyd. Oh, you're not, no, no, right. no. But what I'm saying is he gives you, he potentially he does give can you give
0: you He potentially can give you a, a sexy part of your offense that might not exist consistently. And so I think the question becomes for Shermer how enamored is he going to get by that potential? Because Treadwell, you very much are going to know what you're going to get. And if Treadwell, if Treadwell comes out and is a completely different person and player and is fantastic, it's still not going to change his game. And the consistency that he could potentially give you is important. What Floyd gives you is this explosive, hey, all of a sudden you got a guy that can run the deep route, catch the ball. So I think when, when it comes to Shermer... He's going to have to know. Okay, first of all, personnel wise, who, who do I want to use and when? But is he going to be a guy who Bradford says play him? Because I mean, I'm still convinced to this day, Cordero Patterson played because of one guy, Bradford. I think Sam Bradford. I still I've and I have no proof of this, but it's to me, it's fairly obvious that Sam Bradford showed up at practice at Winter Park and sees Patterson out there. He's like, he doesn't play. They're like, no, no, we he can't run routes. And I think Bradford said, listen, I'm a veteran quarterback. I'll find him. He's too dynamic. So this is going to be very interesting. But uh, to Treadwell's advantage is he is going to get a four-game head start here to prove that he's a different player.
1: I don't know if I would go so far as to say the offense's success rests on Laquan Treadwell, but I, I would go like halfway there. Offensive that, success
0: rests on the offensive line at of Sam Bradford. Yeah,
1: I I agree with that, but I – feel like Laquan Treadwell is a big part of this because if you don't get off to a good start, this ship could sink pretty fast, right? Oh,
0: I see what you're doing. Yeah, Viking, that's Viking what I did. Ship. Viking
1: ship, right? Puns never end. But Even I, late at night, never I, ends. But I think we agree with that, right, that we are on the same page, that if they, are, with this tough schedule right off the bat, End up struggling on offense. Yep. That you could see things getting real rocky real fast. Sure. With the way Zimmer handled last year when things went down and teams picked up on Sam Bradford and, and on and on and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, of course, the right and left tackle are huge to this. Delvin Cook is huge to this. But Treadwell is the one who gives you something different that you didn't really have last year in that. Position, you just basically had Diggs and Thingland and then Charles Johnson, who was like, who is who is Charles Johnson? Like that was a real player was who was on Nor- the Vikings.
0: a Norv Turner creation oh. off the Cleveland practice squad. But I mean this team also now has Dalvin Cook, who I I think needs to improve his blocking, but is not a complete train wreck there. But he can definitely catch the ball. I mean, this team does have enough components at skill positions mm-hmm. to be if not dangerous, at least to get, give them a shot. But it all does come back to, can you keep Sam Bradford upright? Because if you can't, in case Keenum has to play, as you said at the outset of this podcast, guess what? You're not going to playoffs. You're not going to the playoffs. And it, it goes beyond collar to meet the tackles. It goes with finding, can you find continuity on this offensive line? Can you keep guys healthy? And can, We are three preseason games in, and yet tonight was the first night that the first – offensive line played and they played in a half in in which you played your first team offense the first offensive line played the first quarter and then you shuffled things again so there is still a lot of experimentation going which to me means there's indecision and if it was just at center that would be a big deal because that that position is so important but it goes beyond that so i really everything to me comes back to Can you find the continuity and the confidence in the offensive line? Because if you can't, you have a 29-year-old quarterback who's been hurt before and is inevitably going to get hurt again if he keeps absorbing hits and he's not going to be able to find his receivers because he's going
1: to be on his back. Deep breath. Where we stand on, on the offense, there are a lot of pieces that could work and could go together quite well. But every piece, this is the Treadwell point, Every piece has to work. If it does, mm-hmm. if it's, it's almost like if it's the Twins and we're saying, all right, at the beginning of the year, how could they possibly compete for the playoffs? Well, Sano's got to hit 40 homers, and Buxton's got to get a lot better, and they've got to get some surprising pitching, and all that stuff's happened. We never would have predicted Bartolo Colon would be – here doing this but we also said you'd have to get some surprising pitching sure so with this team it's a little bit of the same way where how can they be a legit contender everything including Laquan Treadwell including the right tackle Mike Remmers including the health of the offense it all has to go right and that's kind of where you end up with when you don't have Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady Mm -hmm. is that it all has to go right now, one thing where it has gone right through three games is you don't have any catastrophic injuries, so you feel like you're in good shape there, and you start with a full deck almost minus Michael Floyd. Right. But all of those things that we're talking about have to click in order for them to be good, and that's, a, that's a, going to be a tall order. So the way I look at it is what we saw tonight, there are going to be moments like this during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Of course there are. Overall, though, I still wouldn't move and say that they're going to be the 15th best offense in the league. I would always pull back to that, that there will be nights where he has a high completion percentage, doesn't get in the end zone, fails on third down. Sure. And there will be other games, I think, where they're going to be quite good and Delvin Cook's going to dominate and they will have good offensive days, kind of like they did at the beginning of the year last year.
0: I think the most important thing and the most important question to me is this, and and this did not happen enough – last year and it bit them in the butt big time can they look competent offensively you know i mean we we have these long conversations about bradford and, and the offense and i think at times we almost get caught up in well they've got to be really good and they don't have to be really good they have to be competent this defense is good and so the question is can they move down the field and score some points because bradford's completion percentages was proven in going eight and eight last year means nothing once again tonight, Bradford's completion set, percentage is really good. And you're, if you look at Bradford's stat line from tonight, you're like, oh, that's okay. That's fine. But it's not because you didn't cross midfield until your sixth and final possession of the night. And I guess what bothered me a little bit tonight was you earned it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't fluky. You took you took two more penalties that were dumb, or at least one was dumb. Um, you... Your incompetence was sacks and moving backwards and starting the game with a five-yard pass to Cook, which got blown up immediately. You earned your incompetence tonight. And what I really want to know is, can this team come out, can they put together a game where you're not blown away, but you sit up in the press box here at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium and you say to yourself, you know what, that's fine, that's pretty good. You know, you're moving down the field. I don't care how you do it. It can be long passes which are really sexy and fun to watch. It can be West Coast, Dalvin Cook, Dumpoffs, McKinnon, Latavius Murray. I don't care how you do it, but I want to see a game where you say, you know what, when, when the game's done, that was pretty good. That was pretty effective. And I, we didn't see that enough last year, and until we see it consistently this year, not just one game, but a few games, it's hard to buy
1: in. All right, I want to debut something. For the Purple Podcast. That's oh, a new, wow, okay. I wasn't listening to anything you just said. That's
0: fine, because, because the listeners were, and that's all that matters.
1: Because I was thinking about a new game that I want to do after every single Vikings game okay. with is, you.
0: Is this going to wrap it up?
1: To wrap it up at the end, okay. will just play some agree or disagree. Okay. So I'm going to give you some one-liners, some thoughts of mine, and you could just say agree or disagree. Do I get to weigh in on those things no, then? No, you just have to say agree or disagree. Okay. Because then it will go on forever, because you'll just talk and talk and talk. Well, no, you talk a lot. No, no, no. I believe do. in brevity. I believe in brevity. Yeah, okay, go. yeah. Go go, just, go, 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 go. I'm going to go look at your last answer that might have gone on for 17 minutes. Well, if you had minutes. listened
0: to it, you would have learned something.
1: Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, Bucky Hodges and Kyle Carter will make the Minnesota Vikings 53-man roster. Disagree. Jaleel Johnson is your backup three tech behind Tom Johnson. Disagree. You don't think so? I think he starts. Oh, you think he starts? Yes.
0: I think he's a, I, yes, I think he's a starter.
1: I think Tom Johnson still supposed to say still starts. Too much. Well,
0: I think I think for the season, sooner rather than later, Joel Johnson takes over that position.
1: I think Tom Johnson is still a decent player there, especially when it matters against the pass. Okay. Follow up questions are allowed. Okay. Uh, Marshall Cain is your kicker. Ooh, I'm gonna disagree. Okay, these aren't all things that I necessarily think because I agree with you that Kai Forbath. But I'm just going to have to phrase the question this way. Okay, um, Taylor Heineke is going to end up on this team somehow or other, whether it's 53 man or practice squad.
0: I agree with that. I think he ends up. I think. I think he can. Can he be put back on practice
1: squad? He can. Yeah. Then I agree. And, on the team. Uh, my last one is. Hold on. Oh, Stacy Coley and Rodney Adams both are on this team.
0: Oh, hold on a second. Um, so Diggs, Thielen, Treadwell. I don't think Jerry right makes the team. Uh, roster exemption for Floyd to start the season. Who, who am I missing? Um, I got three that will play, that'll play quite a bit probably. Basically, Coley
1: and Diggs oh, are right behind them, yeah.
0: Okay, then I agree that they're on the team to start the season uh, because you'll have a four-week roster exemption for Floyd. Once his exemption's done, I'm not sure what they're going to do there. But I, so I will agree with you to start the year week one. Both of them are on.
1: Agree or disagree, they should kill the fourth preseason game and make it regular se- Oh, wait. No, we debated that before. Agree they should kill it. There is almost nothing left. And I know we're going to do a podcast after Thursday night's game. Maybe. No, you're going to go see the Gophers. I'm going to see I?
0: Gophers Buffalo, your old club. Turner Gill's old club, club, right?
1: Yeah, Turner Gill's old club. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're that mine. It not work out too well. I, yes, I watched go that. I golfers, went to some UB games. But we could
0: definitely do a purple uh, podcast either. Um, well, what's tonight? Sunday. So let's say we could do one Friday.
1: But agree or disagree, there's almost, if not nothing, left to learn about this team. We're ready for the Red Ghost season. Oh, agree. I don't know. I the, could have said that weeks ago. The questions I – well, there's still
0: questions I have, a few of them but they're not going to be answered until two weeks from Monday when they open against the Saints. There will be nothing. The Vikings will answer questions about their their roster battles on Thursday probably, uh, but those aren't necessarily the things that I care about nearly as much as I do about what the uh, starters are going to do.
1: Agree or disagree, you can't wait to see Mitch Leidner play in a Vikings uniform.
0: That's why I'm taping the the game. I will DVR (laughs) this game. Agree. I can't wait. All right. And he will play Thursday.
1: Well, we'll catch you probably Friday after, right. after you've gone back and reviewed the tape.
0: Yes. Go for football, though. I'm going to go for football. Sky Yuma, hey. row the boat. It's going to be an elite season.
1: <laughs> We're done. We'll <laughs> catch you sometime soon.